Hello, fellow dog-powered sports enthusiasts. This is Chelsea Murray, and you are listening to Positively Dog-Powered, a podcast that dives deep into the real world of positive reinforcement training and dog-powered sports. Hey, everybody. Today is one of our special episodes of Tales on the Trails. So in this episode, we like to grab some additional stories from each of our podcast guests and share them here for you. These could be stories of a big learning moment, something really entertaining or unexpected, basically anything a bit out of the ordinary that comes to mind. If you can remember back to episode 40 and 41, Mayu shared all about her journey on getting involved in sled dog sports from zero experience to working her falls and winters at a tourist sled dog company in Sweden. She also shared a little bit about what it's like to live in a van and travel with two dogs, both the pros and the cons. And we talked all about her trip on Kungsleden or the King's Trail, where her and her two Alaskan Huskies, Odessa and Linka, went out with Paraskis and Polk. So after we chatted, she shared some additional stories that I think you're going to want to hear. On the on the Kungsleden trail, me and my younger dog, because at that point I had sent my older dog to rest and it was only me and my younger dog. And uh, she's a machine of a worker most of the time. And then on the steepest uphill on the entire trail where I had to take off my skis and push, push the sled from behind and really like push, push because it was really steep. And she was in front pulling and then she got a smell in her nose and then she decided <laughs> she's a hunting dog now. And the cooperation that was usually super smooth, she was listening to me and, she, you know, she's a working dog, so she enjoys the work. But she then decided that, no, she wants to sniff all of the smells. So the entire uphill, it was me between desperation and trying to motivate and total like uh, oh, we're, we're never gonna get up that hill yeah <laughs> because the sled was just so heavy for me to pu- uh, push it alone so I needed I really needed her help yeah but at that point she was like no not gonna pull I'm gonna go <laughs> to the side I'm gonna smell all of the smells here it's like Jesus Christ you're like you picked a really bad time to do this my friend it was it was the worst time because she has uh, pulled me into the ditch many times before when she uh, in the arctic there are these small um, uh, dove like little uh, white birds that you don't see them when they are just hanging in the snow but then when you get close enough they fly away <laughs> and imagine like my Super exciting pretty like prey driven dog having Mm -hmm. the bird fly away next to her nose she just goes left to the ditch with my sled and I'm just you know hanging on and hoping that the bird flies away very quickly (laughs) so she has done that before but uh, yep moral of the story even working dogs sometimes decide that they don't want to do it for that particular time well, I assume since you finished the trail, we eventually did get up that hill. But was it a uh, human effort only on that one? Uh, eventually, I think uh, uh, we just uh, passed the smell and 
the thought trailed away a little bit but for a quite many hundred meters it was me pushing encouraging yelling and just pure like desperation. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. it's like come on linka please go please <laughs> we've trained so hard you can do this <laughs> yeah yeah it's hard in those moments too because obviously there's got to be a little bit of frustration that's there too you know, in the back of us going like, what the heck is happening? You know, come on, help me out. We can do this. But it's important to, you know, stay positive and try to keep motivating them instead of getting frustrated yes. or, you yes, know, yes, yes, instilling yes. any kind of fear in them. Yeah, I think that's, uh, well, that's already another story where we had, uh, speaking of like trying to stay positive and motivated, uh, we had another uh, quite a steep uphill that uh, we did in a storm because I was stupid enough not to check the weather forecast because I was in a place where I didn't have reception and I mm-hmm. I think I was by that point I was just so tired that I didn't think straight so instead of staying put I tried to pass this mountain pass and it was a huge blizzard we didn't have any trail uh, and the dogs had really difficulty finding a train so when you when you miss the old trail and you step next to it, it's super soft snow. And then it's even harder to me, for me to push the sled and for them to pull it. Right. So it was really tough uphill and the blizzard was straight to our face. And, you know, for me, it is scary because I know we need to keep going. Otherwise, I will get cold. I can get frostbite in my face. And also, mm-hmm. if the dogs, if one of them decides they will not pull, I'm screwed because we can't get over the pass without their help. And then that is funny when you are scared shitless and mm-hmm. all you can say, yes, let's go. Yes. You, you try to sound like it's the best adventure in the world. Right. It's, uh, it's such a conflict in the mind, but actually it helps yourself as well. Because if you keep repeating like, oh, this is so fun. Let's go. Yes, dogs, you're doing so good. Uh, so yeah eventually we did get over that pass but I did have a little scare that my older dog Odessa she was very intimidated by the blizzards and the really yeah. deep snow yeah so hard. I was like oh no don't turn around now we we go we go yeah so try I think like trying to stay positive and encouraging and making the best time of their life is mm-hmm. the key yeah you if know. we let them, I think our dogs can make us more positive people, <laughs> kind of give us yeah. that strength of mind. Yeah. And another trick, uh, what I found if things are really frustrating is uh, I start to film it because mm-hmm. then either I turn it into a joke because I'm already thinking how hilarious this looks afterwards because this is ridiculous, right? And then you sort of uh, moderate your own feelings and how you speak to your dog. And uh, the other thing is uh, when you're filming it, you are like, no, it's the same thing. You are actually a little bit um, subtracting yourself from the situation and looking to it from the future mm-hmm. and that helps to clear the mind and yeah either turn it into a joke because this is hilarious 
or be really encouraging to yourself that ah this is actually really hard you are doing a really good job and you 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 are doing a really good job encouraging your dogs so just the act of pushing the record helps you modify how you what you're doing yeah yeah now follow-up question that just came to my mind from that since I know that you do record a lot of things in your life and in your interactions with your dogs for your YouTube channel and Instagram, how often do you go back and look at that footage and kind of learn from it? Like, go, oh, well, maybe I should have done something different or, you know what, you know, let me analyze this. And actually from here on out, if I encountered that, I would do something else. Uh, I think I should do it more. Uh, I, every now and then I go over my videos because, uh, it's just a really nice, like, you know, you're, you're like looking at the picture book. Mm-hmm. But what the most of the time happens is I'm very methodical in my feedback after the hike to myself. I okay. I very often write down what I've learned straight away because you tend to forget, actually, uh, especially the negative things. Um, you like for me, especially. Uh, you start to remember the positive ones and forget the bad things like the small things for example what I like to eat and what I didn't like to eat or like some small things like this so I always write it down right after the hike and when I plan my next one I find the journal and find the notes but what I do learn from watching my own videos is more like compassion and more positive feelings like oh no this was actually a big thing you should be proud of yourself or like oh this is this was a really good thing that you did and I'm happy like more of like this encouragement or like compassion blanket that you put over it's like oh no good job yeah (laughs) because when you are alone and do these like alone hikes you are more critical of yourself than you would be in a team because in a team you are like encouraging each other and, you know, supporting. And oftentimes there are more positive like words spoken because you want to encourage others as well. And so you encourage yourself, but all alone, uh, especially for me, it's more like critical thinking. Am I doing everything okay? And like worrying because I'm the only one who is responsible. And then also a lot of, like focus on negative things yeah that makes sense so look yeah looking back helps me more be proud of myself I would say and I, I think that. that's the that's the main thing that's the main reason why I do this videos or post and I have to push myself to do that more often because it is such a like a nice memory for myself mm-hmm. yeah absolutely a lot of big moments to be able to go back and celebrate and you know kind of relive those positive feelings and and stuff towards yourself yeah exactly I just actually looked back uh, two of my Kungsleden videos uh, and I was like oh you did so good (laughs) you're like oh poor little me look at me going (laughs) yeah and I have that moment when Linka decided to stop pulling on camera and it's hilarious (laughs) (laughs) frustration in the moment entertainment later Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's great. In our next segment, you'll probably recognize our guests from episode 42, where we talk about disabled dogs, or rather their abilities, not disabilities. 
we dove into some of the training, enrichment, and safety considerations that people might need to take if their dogs have some impairments, either physical or mental. We're joined with guests Erin Marion, professional dog trainer from Down to Earth Dog Lady, Abby Johnson, professional trainer from Positive Futures Dog Training and Behavior, and veterinary assistant Katie Burrell. Enjoy. Ooh, good question. Erin? So I live, <laughs> I live in an area of Pennsylvania where they still do the fox hunt. Um, the like bay away is that I don't even know well, what does a bloodhound do is it bay is actually I always say it wrong but so we one of my favorite natural areas uh is where we go hiking and it's five minutes from my house but every Sunday the hunt always happens and I yeah it's like wild I mean it is like that scene from Mary Poppins that cartoon scene like it is literally the hounds the fox the chasing the horses everything and so the first Sunday that we moved here, we didn't know the hunt was happening. And so we're like mid walk and we just hear all these dogs and like without knowing what it was, I knew I lived in, I live in like fancy horse country. And so I knew it existed around here, but I didn't know they still did it. So I'm out and all of a sudden you hear, I would say it literally sounded like 20 to 30 bloodhounds just howling and I'm out on the trail like I think I'd have a heart attack I'd be like what is happening where are these loose hounds and what is happening right now so um that is something sound wise I've had to prove with my dogs but I also live in horse country where horses will people on horses will just literally literally pop out of anywhere so there is such there has to be such a mutual respect there uh, because you are, you could be physically, you could be in charge of someone's physical, um, whether they get hurt or not, if the horse spooks. So something we have had to learn to adapt because of the environment that we live in is preparing for random horses or, and preparing for people on horseback. Um, and so I'm very lucky that we live by these horse farms and I can practice outside of the fencing, uh, of just smell. Um, I even have a horse, so it's nice to practice like if once they get used to the smell, then it's the movement and it's the feeling of the hooves, especially for Darla, it's the feeling of the hooves and for Clark, it's hearing the hooves. Um, so that's just been something interesting for us was that when I first moved out into the country and I heard the hunt, I was like, oh, okay, this is like a, <laughs> and so, so I'm not going to lie. If I heard that and didn't know what was happening, I think I would die. I think I would like just completely go into panic mode. It was wild. <laughs> it's literally 20 to 30 hounds, just like, and you're just kind of like, where are they? Because they're they're in the distance. You don't know exactly where they're coming from. So Jay, my fiance and I were like, think the trail walk is over. And I think we should go back to the car because they could be really coming out of anywhere. Um, and that was quite a funny trail story that we both kind of giggled in of like backcountry Pennsylvania, you know? <laughs> so is that something that you just avoid that day or that time of day? Okay. Cause I would imagine that even for a dog without disabilities, that would be insanely overwhelming. Totally. I mean, it sounds like a war zone, you know? And so, um, yeah, we don't go hiking on Sundays between one and five or whenever they do it, you know? So it was quite an alarming experience. And yeah, that's one thing that I'm like, we don't need to train for that. That's like, let's yeah. just 
home. This is never something I'm going to put you in. But it did make me realize like we really could run into and we do we do run into horseback all the time. So that is something that you know, you really need to have strong recall, you really need to make sure the the vibration of the hooves, the smell of the horse, it's all something that you can practice. And if you're lucky enough to live by a horse farm, you know, you can practice those things. But that was something that in Oregon, I didn't have to worry about that. Um, there were other things in Oregon I had to worry about, like weird people in the woods and things like that. But that was something that I didn't ever, I never had to thought, think about the hunt or horses, horseback just popping out of anywhere. <laughs> I love too, that you mentioned that's something, you know, that's something we don't train for. I think that's always important too. Cause like when we think about our dog powered sports and we think about going out and adventuring with our dogs, there are some things that we will encounter on a regular basis. So like you now with horses, right? So that's something where realistically you're encountering it enough that it's something that you add into your training plan, right? Getting the dogs um, generalized with all their behaviors so that you can cue something, even if they smell a horse, or even if they feel vibrations from a horse or see a horse, right. But there are certain things that we might encounter on a one-off that we go, yeah, I'm probably really not going, going to encounter that again, but I might just avoid. Yeah. Right. And then I think that too, that brings up another good point too, of our dog powered sports, lots of people that engage in dog powered sports travel with their dogs yeah. and will travel to different trails for events with their dogs. And so I think it's always a good idea to be mindful about the places that you're going and try and do your research about trails that you might be going to, because if you're encountering snowmobiles for the first time or horses for the for first time, cause it's a mixed use trail, um, mm -hmm. or there are certain wild animals there, like what plans are you going to put in place for training? to try to generalize skills the best you can, right? Or what emergency plans are you going to put in place where if you encounter that, I have, you know, nothing in my toolbox to ask my dog to pass that or to ignore that. What management strategies am I then going to, you know, introduce to try to make the best of it? Because exactly. I think that's, you know, that's real life where <laughs> while we might not encounter a actual fox hunt yeah, on this side of the, of the planet it's real life yeah i'd love to see that though i'm not gonna lie I'd love i know to see that. i know <laughs> maybe someday you can go and grab a little video for us yeah exactly Katie, um, does anything oh, oh sorry, abby sorry, go ahead sorry. oh no go ahead, go ahead. um i kind of have a story that ties in both the value of your story about having a good recall and also about preparing for the unexpected um, so I recently moved back to Georgia from Dallas, Texas, where wildlife is a little bit different. And, um, so there are different kinds of wildlife that I'm not too, uh, familiar with being in my area. Right. And where I was living was in the middle of Dallas. So if you know that area at all, I was just right over there by White Rock Lake, which is right in the middle of everything. And, um, my apartment complex had this construction road behind it that I would sometimes take my dogs out and, you know, just let them go on a walk because it was away from all the other people. It was a lot more helpful for Phoebe. We're in the middle of the city. It's 730 in the morning. I'm still in my pajamas. Like I rolled out of bed and took them on a walk um, first thing in the morning. 
And I've got them all the way at the end of their long lines. They're way ahead of me. You know, I'm hear traffic sounds on off to my right. And then, you know, the apartment complex is off to my left and the rest of the city. And out from this tall grass walks a literal mountain lion. Oh my God. And I have two oh my God. less than 10 pound dogs. Oh, and it was a really- You brought really, snacks. Yes, it was a really- really terrifying situation and of course being oh my, my first thought was not oh my gosh I'm gonna die my first thought was literally my dogs are gonna die yeah. so um, <laughs> that was my main concern and I called them back and obviously in a very panicked voice and I was like holy shit right <laughs> this is this is not a bobcat and um they came running right back immediately and I was able to scoop them up and thankfully the mountain lion was not interested in us he kind of gave us a little glance and ran off into the trees um but that was just a really great testament to number one you never know whenever you're gonna really and truly need a recall because that can be a matter of life and death in that situation um and the other one is, you know, you never know what is out there because even just walking in the middle of the city, I encountered this like really insane wildlife that was potentially really dangerous. Um, so it's, it's always a good idea to make sure that you're prepared for unexpected things, even if you're not truly sure if there's really any danger or not, because there probably is in some form and um, there's always risk anytime you go out. So even choosing less risky areas, you can still find yourself in a sticky situation. So it's better to prepare for it than anything else. Thankfully, I moved pretty quickly afterwards. This was about <laughs> a month before I was supposed to leave. So I was glad that I wouldn't have to walk those same paths again. <laughs> I, I will piggyback off that story real quick, Abby, because the first time we drove out to Colorado with the dogs, we rented this amazing house that was in the middle of nowhere. It was like 45 minutes from the closest town that we mm -hmm. could ski in. And it's winter time, right? So the house itself was on 25 acres Whoa. and then backed up to national forest on three uh -huh. sides. Uh -huh. So it was like, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. So we're in the middle of nowhere, right? So before the trip, I'm building recalls with the dogs to really make sure like, cause I wanted to be able to let them off leash and I knew there was going to be wildlife. So I'm playing all these fun games to really kind of boost that. And thank goodness I did because one, one of the first days we were there, the dogs were running around in the snow, having the time of their lives. And all of a sudden I look down and I'm like, what is that? I don't know what that is. And all of a sudden all the dogs froze right? So oh, no. there's something there, right? Like they are telling us there's something there. And all of a sudden I hear it. And I look at my husband, I'm like, sternly, right? Like, please feel the intensity in my face and, and the words I am saying, get the dogs on leash right now. Be very calm. We need to walk into the house. Right. And he's like oblivious to what's happening. And I'm like leashing the dogs, good dogs, stay where you are, leashing them, grabbing them. Thank goodness he eventually got with the program and leashed, leashed the third dog we had with us. And we walked back into the cabin. He's like, what is happening? Like, what is going on? There were two grizzly bears that were hanging out, like not that far from our house. So we were kind of on a hill and they were down and I could hear them and see them. And there were two of them walking. And I was like, casual, I don't want the, I don't want the dogs running towards them. Right. So like kind of that emergency panic mode of like, 
get your shit together. <laughs> you know, like, come on, we got to get the dogs and get them out of here. And thank goodness it worked out okay. That same trip, you'd think I learned my lesson, right? A couple days later, we're walking <laughs> around with the dogs off leash and they, we see moose and it was a mom and two babies. And that's oh the worst time you want to be around them, right? Because that's when they get aggressive and they'll be protective of their young, understandably. And the dogs saw them and the dogs took off running after them. Right. And thankfully they were far enough away and recall is good enough that I called them and they turned around and came running back to us. But it's that moment of like, I think we're all going to die. <laughs> right. Like your stomach jumps into your throat and thank goodness things work out. But again, like you kind of never really know what you're going to encounter. So now when we go on trips, we will have discussions ahead of time about, you know, what potential dangers we might encounter. Cause we go backpacking a lot too. It's like, what might we encounter? What could happen? And I like to have a game plan ahead of time because in the moment, our brains don't really work as well as they should sometimes, right? We can kind of go into panic mode ourselves. And so a lot of those like, what if moments I'll have a game plan already mapped out in my head and that reduces my anxiety. And then helps me then go into kind of that automatic mode in the moment. Wow. Wildlife is scary, man. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was bad with the hunt. You guys still ain't beat my <laughs> All right, Katie, anything crazy come to mind or any lessons learned for you? Well, you know, have to I be learned, wildlife related. <laughs> I learned a lesson recently, actually. So I have a new puppy that I call her a puppy. She's about a year and a half. Um, that I recently adopted and she's what I recently learned a German Shepherd Husky mix. I don't know if you saw her at um, the race, Chelsea, but she was I the like, kangaroo dog that was just like yep. bouncing up and down. Yep. Well, so we, I've started taking her hiking now that she's medically cleared. Um, and I guess the lesson I learned recently is that backups fail and no matter how prepared you are sometimes, shit goes wrong. Um, so we were doing this trail and we got to the top, you know, and I had them all sitting like in a sit stay so I could take a picture. Cause you know, you as have to do. take a picture yep. as you do. Um, and so I was standing on her long line because she has no recall yet. And something like caught her attention. She's super distractible. And so she slipped out from under my foot and wandered off. She ended up jumping 15 feet off of a, like, cliff for a hamburger that someone had discarded <laughs> it all ended up fine but I like had to climb down the mountain to go get her and then haul her butt back up but that was the lesson I learned recently is like backups fail no matter how prepared you are yep. like you can have two leashes on your dog and shit will still go wrong so luckily it all worked out and she doesn't like bolt off or anything generally um, but we definitely don't have recall. So it's always my worst nightmare. You know, when you've got all your dogs lined up for a pretty photo and you're like, stay and they're all looking at you. And one of them is like, eyeballing something to the side. You're like, don't even don't think, even about, think it. about it. Look at me. Look at me. Look, look, I've got a treat. Or you say you're, you're funny yeah. for ears and they're like, yep. But I see something, <laughs> but I see something. So that was slowly incorporated some more backups into our plan. Um, and obviously working on recall, but that was definitely a good reminder lately that, you know, things can happen. Things yeah. can happen no matter how prepared you are. So. I am glad that 
despite the fact that her uh, launch off the cliff was reinforced by the hamburger, I'm very (laughs) glad that she is safe. Yeah. and did yeah. not get she, hurt during that she was unfazed 10 out of 10 would do it again so <laughs> no Fabulous. regrets best day of her life so she has no idea that anything bad happened no no she's a while you're probably grabbing her trembling oh my god yes <laughs> so. I think we can all relate to those stories of accidentally losing control of our dogs. As much as we try to be mindful and careful about things, we, of course, can't prepare for everything. Our next stories come from two of our guests that were in our panel for our Small But Mighty episode. In that episode, we talked about small breed dogs and how, while they might be a little non-traditional, can definitely enjoy many benefits associated with engaging in dog-powered sports. We talked about some of the equipment changes, training, and of course, safety that goes along with engaging in these sports at different speeds with our smaller breeds. These stories will be shared by Paula Nowak and Maya Perez. How Chelsea made you. Chelsea made me do it. That's, that's basically my hashtag to most of the fun things I get to do. Norby and I, I drove our exterior, um, just recently finished our first bike jour competition. And, and let me also add that it was ISDRA sanctioned and IFSS sanctioned. So it was not just a small event. It was a pretty big deal. It was legit. It was our first one. Um, never in a million years would I think that I would be doing that at all, much less with a small breed dog. And um, it's 2.2 miles, two days in a row, um, about 45 minutes away from my house. And I am not someone who likes to get up early. I like to ease into my day, but these races do require that you get up early and get there and you have to be there for a driver's meeting. Um, And I had the only small dog there. And so um, it was super muddy. We've had a ton of rain. Um, I've never done it before. I'd never even actually ridden that particular trail. I've been to that park a couple of times, but not to that extent. And um, I also hadn't practiced a ton. I've had a lot of life stuff and so I didn't feel as physically fit to do it but we did it anyways and my dog was physically fit and ready to do it and it was an amazing experience because um, one we actually can accomplish things that we think we can't do and I'll explain more on that but also the community you know I've been around people who um, Chelsea knows and you know fellow trainers doing dog powered things and of course those people are amazing but to have a group of however many people were there uh, be so supportive and, you know, really looking out for each other in this park, you know, weird weather, weird conditions, and everybody was just like happy to be there and willing to help in any way they needed to. Um, you know, the ride itself was very challenging, even though we've done two miles, we've never done it in those conditions with mud, um, with putting pressure on ourselves, you know, the mental side of doing a dog activity and sport, um, but just knowing yep, we're gonna have fun and having a simple goal. And my goal was to enjoy the time with my dog, but also just finish. And after the first day, and Chelsea will attest to this, um, I was wheezing, you know, the air was cold. Um, I didn't have all the gear that I thought I should have. You know, I didn't have something over my mouth. So um, I physically just felt drained. And I said, I'm not coming back tomorrow. 
and that <laughs> never say that uh, to someone who's a mentor for you because you will come back the next day. But I thought I'm not gonna come back. I'm done. My body can't do this. I'm not physically fit. Uh, I'm not in the condition. This is, you know, my dog is like amazing, but I'm not. And so I rested myself. I took care of myself, you know, salt baths and stretching and all the things um, just to say like, okay, be okay. And let's see what you feel like in the morning. Let's see what your dog's like in the morning. And I was hoping that he wasn't going to be up for it. Uh, Cause then I could just say, oh, Norby's not ready for this. Um, but instead I woke up and thought, you know, I need to do this. And Chelsea had said, you know, go home, see how you feel and, and then decide, you know, there's no pressure or whatever. Um, but you have to do both days in order to finish. And something that's important with uh, small breed dogs, we've just finished uh, an episode talking about small breed dogs. Um, and it was discussed like, take the pressure off because no one expects you to be like the, the fastest. And really you can't, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, how fast we'd have to go in order to be the fastest with a small dog and a not fit human. Um, and we placed last and I don't like placing last. I like to be first. I like to be high in trial. I like those, you know, things, but I had to realize like, that's not what we're here for. And that's not even possible with, you know, your setup. And so that was hard too. And so we packed up, we were better prepared the next day. We went, we looked forward to things like photos, which are amazing and just having different goals for something that's very physical, you know, normally in dog sports, unless you're doing like agility, like Fern Hunt, he does his thing, dock diving, he does his thing. Like he does the thing. I just kind of hang out. I don't have to be as physically involved. Uh, very different in dog powered activities. You have to also be powered. And um, yeah, we finish it and I will do it again, which is hard to say a, a year later, you know, year later, we'll see how it is. But um, it's something that uh, is very transformative as a, you know, dog owner um, and pushing yourself beyond what you think you can do is pretty crazy and you survive it and you're like, yep, I'll do it again. I'll be better next time. Um, I get a little emotional even thinking about it um, because it's a big deal. I'm really proud of you for showing up on day two. I know I was like, no pressure, but I was really hoping that you dig deep and find it. But you're right that it it can be really hard. And there's definitely some days where you're like, oh my God, what are we doing? Like, why am I doing this? I just had a really nice conversation actually for the podcast um, with a lovely woman named Mayu. And one thing that she said that really resonated with me, and I think it will with a lot of folks was that in order to grow, you have to get outside your comfort zone just a little bit, you know? And I really thought of you actually, Paula, because we had just talked about the race and we had just done the race when she said that, because how true is that? Like how many times have you gone out with your dogs to go do something? And you might be a little uncomfortable the first time you do it, but gosh, if you don't reflect back on that situation and you've learned so much, you're going to be more prepared to do it the next time. And usually those moments where in the moment, I'm like, oh my God, I'm uncomfortable. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't feel prepared. I always reflect back on them positively. And I always remember them positively. And once you do something once, well, then it's so much easier to do it that second time, you know? And so I love the fact that now you're like, year two, let's do it. You know, and you're yeah. already marking your calendar and looking forward to it. And I think that that's really fabulous. Yes. And I totally agree that pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone, even when it feels like it's really far outside of your comfort zone, um, 
it's something that you can't imagine until it's complete. Um, and then you can share that here with others um, so other people can do it. But there's a lot of mental components to that. And um, it's not just about the dog. You know, it's really about who we are as individuals and knowing that we are stronger, you know, in that way, even though it's, you know, it's a dog race, it's like, you know, it's, it's not like you're winning money. Like it's not a, it's a big deal, but it's also not a big deal. Right. And so the fact that you were able to do it um, and overcome all of those mental obstacles is also really important too. So I'm from a part of the state in Wisconsin where there really aren't opportunities to take dogs skijoring. Most of the ski trails don't allow dogs. And so all of my experience was on classic skis, breaking my own trail, which is a fun experience, but not the same thing as where you're having a lot of other people skiing and a lot of their dogs. So I went up north this winter. And one of the things I really wanted to do was to try an actual groom trail so I could do some skating behind my dogs. And so we could practice all the things we've been working on like passing people, encountering other dogs, all that sort of thing. Um, obviously, I spent a lot of time getting ready for this. And, you know, we did some training, we got out there and practiced, and we show up at the hill. And I quickly realized that one thing I did not practice was having my dogs get used to in that exciting environment, me actually pausing to put on my gear. So within five minutes of trying to get lift tickets and figure out where my skis are going, Lottie is shrieking and barking at me because she wants to go. And then that amps up Tilney and he starts shrieking and barking and there's another dog. And so they're both shrieking. And I'm just like, okay, we're just going to go. We're just like, we just have to go. So I just let them take me. And of course, on a groom trail, you go much faster other than when you have icy conditions. So we just like sprinted off into the woods, um, eventually slowed down and they started to settle in. And my uh, sister was skiing with me. She was kind of my buffer person that day and I think we got about 10 minutes into our ski trip when she'd been skiing ahead of me she just suddenly fell over in the snow and you know I thought she just tripped neither of us are the best skiers but when I went to go help her we realized that her entire underside of her boot had come undone so that was it that you know we were we were done skiing for today so we had to go all the way back to the car all that preparation all the shrieking all the disaster for about 15 minutes of skiing and I later, I later went out again and took Lottie out that day with someone else, but that was, you know, it was a good reality check for you can do all this preparation and then your gear can just betray you um, and you can forget things to work on. But the next day we went back to that trail and we had a really nice time. I was much quicker about getting everything ready. I did not allow Lottie to work herself into a total state. We had a lovely loop uh, on the groom trail. We did some beautiful passes with other people and it was really enjoyable. And I'm really glad I had that experience. I'm really glad that you were able to get back out there <laughs> for day two and not like have this big build up and then like, oh, that's it. <laughs> exactly. I was so excited about it. And then it was, you know, just a fiasco. Yeah. <laughs> well, certainly there are some times where I have been to the trail as well, where things didn't quite work out as planned. Oftentimes for us, that involves checking out a new trail that, of course, on mapping programs looks great. And you get there and you're definitely thrown a few surprises in. If you have a wild and crazy story or a big lesson that you might have learned along the way and you'd like to share it, you can send it to us for a chance to be featured on our next Tales from the Trails episode. Take a voice recording of your story 
tell us a little bit about yourself and email it to us at positivelydogpowered.com. I will go ahead and list a direct link for our email address in our show notes so that it's easy for you to find. We'd love to hear a little bit about you because I certainly know that there's stories from all over the place that are just wild and crazy. Because let's be honest, living with dogs is definitely an adventure. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode. I hope this one was entertaining for you. If you would like to support our podcast, I'd love to ask for a quick favor. Head over to your podcast platform of choice and leave us a five-star review to help us connect with other dog lovers and dog-powered sports enthusiasts. And of course, if there's an episode that you love, be sure to share it on social media and spread the word. If you'd like, you can also join our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash positively dog powered. You can gain access to behind the scenes content, some special classes, training videos and infographics, and more for as low as a dollar a month. And be sure to check out our official merch store. I'll drop those links for you in the show notes. And if you see something you like, be sure to grab it quick. We're actually going to be changing things around and these items will only be available until at the end of April. So until next time, have fun chasing tails on the trails.